When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Impact Theory Podcast, your source of empowering ideas and actionable techniques from the world's highest achievers. Join host Tom Bilyeu, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition, on a journey to unlock your potential and realize your vision of success. Welcome to Impact Theory. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Facebook Live. I am your intrepid host, Tom Bilyeu, and I am here with none other than the voice of the community, Cindy, a.k.a. Essence Hi. of Sin. Essence of Sin, everyone. What is up? Not much. How are we doing today? Doing good. Ready I was to feeling rock a little under the weather yesterday. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it was just random. Mm. I think it was food poisoning, to be honest. Never it, good. You know, yeah. Never good. It was good. just like a random that and then what's it was your, done. What's your least favorite kind of sick? Um, my least favorite kind of st- sick, I would say a fever. Okay, good call. That's tough to beat. Like, yeah, that's pretty much when I feel like the worst is when I have a fever. I like, I guess I'm so used to like having like weird food poisoning or stomach things that it's not. Why? I don't know. Like I have a very, like I have a sensitive stom- stomach, but okay. it like kind of crops up randomly. So it might be like, oh, like I'm eating normally for a while. And then, oh, suddenly like nothing mm. stays down. And I'm just like, oh, okay, that's Whoa. weird. Yeah. Not good. I know. Not good. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to go with stomach stuff. Yeah. I'll take a fever. I feel like you can treat a fever. Yeah. Like if you, you nap and like nap, get some fluids. Advil, like you're good. But once mm-hmm. your stomach goes, man, that is it. Yeah. That is it. All right. Really upbeat way to start the I day. Know. Hey, it's everybody. Like starting off Let's with talk like... illness. <laughs> I was up past my bedtime again last night. It's the second yeah. time this week. Is that so, good? I think that's going to be a recurring theme be. for you. Nope. No? Can't do it. All right. I'm not about it. I, I refuse know, but to commit you to also being have, up past my bedtime. You do have an event this evening. I, so you are going to be up you, past Cindy. your bedtime. Damn you, Cindy. Damn you for I'm bringing truth into this just conversation. Just letting you know. <laughs> In case you... Yeah. But speaking of which, if you guys are... Oh, it's invitation only, isn't yeah. it? Oh, I'm a bad person. I was about to invite them all, and then I would get Maybe next time. I think yeah. it's one of the first ones they're doing, so they're yeah. keeping it a little mm. on the small side. Yeah. But I'm speaking so, yeah. at an event tonight, which I'm very excited about. It yes. should be a lot of fun. And also, anybody out there planning events for speakers, um, and maybe this is just me, but when you can do... Because this is interview style. Mm-hmm. So there's no, like, you don't have to prepare a speech. Like, it's nice. It's, yeah. like, zero stress. I'm very excited. Uh, so, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. And Dr. Finesse is already there checking it out. And, yeah, uh, getting I'll be the lay of the tonight. land for us. Exactly. And then last night was all about Mr. Aoki. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Good to well, see him and the crew. What event was that? Um, he has partnered up with Burton Snowboards to mm-hmm. launch a line of luggage, which makes sense because our yeah. boy travels nonstop via All the time. Lungs. And last night, I was once again reminded that networking, while I hate leaving this woman, and I think that's a big part of my problem, is <laughs> I have something at home that I want to stay home for. Because I know people yeah. that like network like machines. Mm-hmm. 
But for me, it's like always, even though I've given like all these talks about how networking is so important, you got to yeah. get out there, like you got to yes. do it. And uh -huh. every time I'm like, I don't want to go. I do not <laughs> want to go. I want to stay at home with my wife. And I drag myself out. We go last night and it was awesome. Yeah. And I met a guy there who works at, um, who's the big talent agency? CAA? The, no. U the other one. There's so many letters. Oh, man. WME. WME okay. IMG. So okay. I think IMG is the sports side. And so anyway, he's on the e-gaming side. E-sports. Oh, man. E the whole e-sports universe is going to come down on my head for that slip up. Big shout out to Yoni. What's up, Yoni? Um, so met this guy that does that for WME, talking about how he built it because he got ended up getting acquired by them. Built his company from nothing, like turned it into this multinational. It's a pretty cool story. Very interesting. I think esports is going to be huge, but I don't think they've cracked the nut yet. So this is something routinely people um, come up to me to invest in. And until somebody can figure out how that business model is actually going to work, I just can't bring myself to do it. But I'm mm -hmm. utterly fascinated, and I think someone's going to make billions of dollars. So it'll be interesting to see who that is. All right. Random start, but there we have it. I know. Now <laughs> We've kind of gone all over the place. All right. So um, I'm going to kick it off with a couple from last week. Yep. Um, this one comes from Sindri Hellsmark. Whoa. Yeah. How would I introduce developing a growth mindset to my 16-year-old brother? Whew. All right. So here's the find something. Well, first of all, if you can get him to read the book Mindset, like that's just the easiest no-brainer answer. That's like the starter guide. It really makes it clear how people end up in a growth mindset. I think Carol Dweck, the author, has done an amazing job of walking people through how to get to a growth mindset, what the differences are. So anybody that can start there, just start them there. And if he'll bite and read it, um, then you're golden. If not, then I would start at something. What are their goals? What are they trying to do? What do they say they want to get good at? And then... Either I usually use story, so I'm always trying to get people inspired. My obsession right now is Disney because I'm reading his book and just seeing how far he traveled from where he started as a kid to where he ended up. And if they're motivated by something like that, like showing how the growth mindset really is the path to acquiring mm. those skills. Because at the end of the day, if you can get somebody to buy in that standing between who they are today and who they want to become, that thing they want to get, the only thing standing between them is a set of skills. And if there's something in their life that they've done, like video games, I mean, if he's a 16-year-old boy, my guess is that he's playing some games, um, you know, use the language of that. Like when you start out, you suck and you play and you die. And then you have to assess, like, what am I not doing well and practice that and get better at it. And people do it so effortlessly when it comes to something that they're passionate about that it's usually pretty easy for them to grasp the concept. Once they have the concept, then you just have to get them to translate it to other areas of their life and getting them broken free of the belief that their talent and intelligence are fixed. Like once they believe those are malleable, um, then the world opens up to you. And then my whole thing is, and this is the one part of the equation that I don't think anybody's really talking about. It's going to be featured in the book heavily. And I'm looking at you because we've got to make sure that that continues to move forward. Um, but is what you build your self-esteem around matters. And how to craft your self-esteem, I mean, that'll be like a whole chapter in the book about being intentional about what you decide to value yourself for, what you decide mm -hmm. to reward yourself for and punish yourself for. Like all of those things are really, really important. And so um, really just talking to them about that stuff. The problem is normally at 16, man, they just push back. They don't want to hear it. Like they're yeah. in like this other world. They're going through the, I don't know if this is true from like have studies been done. I have no idea, but this makes so much intuitive sense. Um, somebody once said to me, look, the 
kids would never leave the nest if hormonally they didn't go through this change that actively made them rebel. And so part of becoming your own person is rebelling against the authority figures in your life, against your parents to define yourself as separate. So if you're any sort of authority figure in their life, even just by being an older sibling, chances are at about that age, they're going to be pushing back pretty hard. They're not going to want to hear it. So, you know, at some point, if they're not receptive, you just have to live by example. And that is the ultimate arbiter. It's a very slow process. Um, you know, there have been people in my life that have watched me change so radically, and it's taken them 20 years to really start to even begin to, like, say, hey, what did you do? So it's tough. Yeah. Yeah, I can only imagine. Just because, like, I think about where I was at at 16. Mm. And, like, I listened for the most part, but I still kind of tried to do my own thing, right. you know? So, don't we all? Yep. All right. So, this next one comes from Johan Servero. Our boy. Hey, Tom and Cindy. What's How up? can I manage to co not to compare myself to others? I know I shouldn't, but my brain does it automatically. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, a very natural part of being human. And there's that great quote floating around. I don't know who came up with it, but that um, comparison is the thief of joy. And I think that that's also true. Um, I think you have to balance it. This is gas and brake. This is knowing when to step on one side and when to recognize that that becomes self-defeating if you take it too far. Uh, so we'll just apply the 80-20 rule. 80% of the time, don't look at other people. Don't worry about what they're doing. Don't even think about it. Create your own path. Um, try to make unique connections in your own mind, your own way with your unique background. And then 20% of the time, pop your head up, look around and see who's crushing it. See who's doing better. Be inspired, even if it's out of annoyance. Um, and, you know, I do that. I look around at people that are doing a better job than we are and I let it kick me in the ass and focus me. But I don't spend too much time there because then you'll just end up chasing them. Um, and there's no way to take a leadership position when you're chasing. So it's really got to be um, driven by something that you're trying to accomplish yourself. Um, you've got to have an internal vision, something that you're driving towards. But I don't think it's a problem to, with some small percentage of your time, to, to really see, like, where do I fall in the pecking order? That's so smart. Just don't get obsessed. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, we as humans are very much relational. No question. And we like to be able to kind of see where we are at in relation to others, and it's kind of how we figure out where we fit. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any two ways about it. In fact, last night at the Aoki event, one of the things that um, I was commenting about is, so when he walked in the room, so imagine I'm standing in the center of the room, and all of a sudden this wave of humanity just starts moving towards where I'm standing, and then you realize, oh, it's just a wall of people following him. <laughs> he stops, he and I talk for a minute, and then I don't move, but the crowd like then just passes me like a wave. It was so weird. And so we filmed it because it was like you can literally see it happen. Like the, all of the energy in the room is centered mm -hmm. around the highest status person in the room, which of course is Steve. Mm -hmm. So it's like that is a thing. That's human psychology at work. Yeah. We're social animals. We need to understand the pecking order, um, where everybody fits. And so... Look, there's the Buddhist stance of elevate yourself out of all of that, like try to disengage from what we'll call typical um, human endeavors, but that doesn't resonate with me. Like I want to go deeper into it, but I don't want to fall prey to things that aren't useful, right? So if mm -hmm. I've got goals and I'm trying to reach those goals and pulling myself back out of the situation doesn't make sense and I want to go more deeply into it, um, then you have to figure that out. But it was, it was utterly fascinating. And my conclusion to that is fame matters, right? So part of the reason that I ultimately stepped out front and started creating content, uh, took the role of the front man, 
is because I recognized its power. And yeah, like one of the conversations that I got into last night, I mean, this is, you want an example? Here we go. So I happened to be at the moment that Steve passed by, happened to be standing talking to the guy from WME. Now he has no idea who I am, but the person that introduced us was like, dude, this guy's like an amazing interviewer. You, you should, I think you guys yeah. will connect, right? So, but he doesn't do any follow-up questions. I'm too busy, intrigued by what he does, so I'm asking a lot of questions. While of humanity passes, he and I disembark. We reconnect later, and like three or four people came up and were like, hey man, I watched the show, it's amazing, great interviews. So finally, after like the fifth time somebody said it, the guy goes, all right, I'm gonna take the bait. Like, why do people keep saying that you're a good interviewer? And I was like, oh, I've got the show, and blah, 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 yeah. and, you know, and so, it was utterly fascinating to watch his level of interest in me change as he realized random people were coming up to me to be like, whoa, A, I recognize you, B, you've like had a huge impact on me, and C, the one consistent theme of you're um, really good at the interviews. And right. so the dynamic between he and I changed 180 degrees. It was so interesting. Now, I wish the world weren't that way. I right. wish people could just be like in the moment. Like either right. you have something fascinating to say that's useful to me or you don't. But it doesn't work like that, man. It that's not the world. And so fame matters. That's the truth. Hashtag truths, man. Hashtag truth. You know. All right. So this next one comes from Gustavo, Gustavo Putin. Um, hey, Tom from Brazil. Why do you always talk about phase one, build a community? What's the next phase and where are we going? All right. So the three-phase plan is laid out on the website. So go to impacttheory.com. You'll see we've got the three phases laid out there. The reason we talk so much about phase one is that's the phase that we're most heavily in. But we are actively working on phases two and three. Phase two is essentially the creation of all the things that are going to come out of that. So you've got the two paths. You've got uh, company incubation. So last night, I was talking to one of the people that we will almost certainly be incubating. And then on the other side, you've got the content that we're going to be incubating. And yesterday, oddly enough, yesterday was actually a pretty cool day. Um, yesterday, I went out to lunch. Um, I won't give names yet because so much of this stuff falls apart. Yeah. Um, but went out to lunch with a very successful film producer, which because the team here is scattered to the wind, I haven't even had a chance to tell you guys how it went. Um, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And let me just say, dude, I'm telling you right now, we're going to completely disrupt the film industry. Cannot so I'm going to do my Babe Ruth right now. I'm calling, calling that shot. shot. Um, talking to this man who has been incredible like going through his imdb i was like oh my oh god <laughs> like this guy is like some he definitely specializes in great films more than huge films and those are like my people now the reason mm -hmm. those are my people is because they've seen quality hit after quality hit after quality hit does not equal financial security mm -hmm. and so we're talking about that dichotomy and feeling like hey the studios win, right? The studios always win. And we've got this bevy of artists because he was, you know, I told him our strategy. I told him the property specifically that we're going after. And he said, hey, would you be interested in actually involving the writers? If we can get the studio on board with what the what we're trying to do, which to give you guys the very quick rundown goes like this. It is what's called a total merchandising strategy. At the end of the day, this company is... I'm going to share this with the insiders because it is not going to be often that I refer to our company in this manner. 
but at its like peel back that top layer and look inside. So everybody come in with me, lean in close impactivists, because this isn't what you're going to hear me talk about a lot publicly, but underneath it all, we are a lifestyle company underneath it all. We are trying to change mindset. That's it. And this company is literally me just thinking about how do we do that? Now, what you'll normally hear me talk about is the total merchandising strategy, merchandising. I don't like calling something a lifestyle company because that is so hopelessly vague. Like, what does that even mean? So I like people to be down with me in the tactics of how we actually pull this off. But honestly, under the cover, we're a lifestyle company. We're about monetizing, echoing through merchandising the ideology behind the company, okay? So mm -hmm. we make a movie that contains ideology, we make a comic book, we make a novel, we do social content, whatever it is, all of it has the same underlying ideology. It's literally the first question that we started with. How do you go from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset? And because you have this 16-year-old kid who's not going to listen, how do you incept them? How do you get them to change without necessarily wanting to change? How do you leverage behavior instead of trying to change behavior? Which, by the way, that Instagram quote confuses shit out of people because without context, nobody had any idea what I was talking about. They thought I was talking about like on yourself, like mm -hmm. leverage your own behavior instead of trying to change it. Yeah. Which you should try to change the shit out of your own behavior, uh, <laughs> but leverage other people's. So that's what we're trying to do, trying to get that ideology into the content that people are already consuming and then give them the ability through merchandising to echo that. Now, that merchandising, I use that word as a catch-all. It could be a t-shirt and already is. It mm -hmm. could also be an app. It could be a video game. It could be um, a whole host of things. So anything that's an, an ecosystem echo of the ideology, okay? That's a lot of weird words, but over time, people are going to really begin to understand what I mean. So there's like a universe of cool shit. That's a really more basic way of saying it. Um, and people are going to signal to the world who they are. So we are a signaling species. We signal to others, we signal to ourselves, think about the way that people dress. The way that you dress says a lot about you. The car that you choose says a, says a lot about you. And that's how we signal to other people. And most importantly, in my opinion, that's how we signal to ourselves. And make no mistake, as you try to communicate to other people, you are communicating with yourself. It is an utterly fascinating thing that I'm totally obsessed with this notion of what we say to ourselves about ourselves, how that shapes us. We wanna give people those things. So we believe we can build a huge business doing that. Disney has proven the model. You Here's why the studios have failed to recognize this and anybody out there who wants to beat us, here's how you beat us. This is the game. And I love this because I know we will out-execute you. <laughs> Sorry, I can't help myself. So what you want to do is this. Every studio other than Disney has failed to stand for one thing. Disney stood for one thing, right? It was the magic of, we'll call it the magic of childhood, but even Disney said, I don't make cartoons for kids. And I think if you really look at what they've done, the reason it works is because it isn't just for kids. Kids yeah. love it. It's super accessible to them. But it really contains like these notions of a simpler time, a more beautiful time. Uh, I won't derail. I haven't spent enough time getting really good at being succinct about the magic of Disney. But the magic of Disney, we'll shorthand it to that. Mm -hmm. So when you went to a Disney property, you knew what you were going to get. One thing they're talking about in the biography is how he was really paranoid. So he used to make his animators go to life drawing classes and you draw nude people. And he was super worried that somebody would find out that Disney animators were drawing nude women. Because that, like back in the 30s, that was yeah, like super like scandalous. Taboo. So that, that's somebody who understands what their brand is. Now, what's the brand of Sony Studios? 
Nobody knows. Not even Sony knows. They make movies all across the map. What's the brand of Paramount Studios? Nobody knows all across the map. So it's like studios have tried to just make great art. And hey, I love them for it. Like as somebody who just wants to go see great films, I totally yeah. get it. But that breaks down your ability to do a total merchandising strategy. So even Warner Brothers, because the, the important part here is to understand Disney means something. Not just the cartoon. Mm -hmm. Disney is branded. You know what it means. Yeah. It stands From for something. From the D to the everything, right? magic. The ethos, all of it, the whole shebang. It does not have the same resonance with Sony, Paramount, Warner Brothers, all those other guys. They do great movies, but their name brand does not mean something. It does not stand for something. Mm -hmm. And because of that, they can't do what we're going to do, which is there's ideology associated with impact theory. And here's a universe of merchandise that allows you to signal to yourself and to other people who you are based on that. So it means something. So anyway, that's a, a very huge encapsulation of all three things. So phase one is build a community without that you have nothing. Phase two is um, create the content, the companies. And phase three is actually monetize. So those are the, the three phases. They're all moving forward. It's just because this is content, because this is, I mean, the, this, the social stuff, which is where we're really exceptional right now, is all about actively building the community. That's what you're going to hear me talk about. All right. Need to wrap it up. Right. All right, so this next one comes from Lee Huntes. Hey, guys. Good to see your smiling faces. Thanks, Thank Lee. Um, what is your best advice for entrepreneurs that are just starting out when it comes to marketing? I have a hard time wrapping my head around what I could do to drive traffic to my website. Um, sorry, ask me the very beginning of that question. So again. what's your uh, best advice for entrepreneurs that are starting out mm. how do you drive traffic to, yeah um right now you live in the age of content so the there are many many ways but i will just say that the easiest and most profound right now is great content it needs to be content geared towards whatever the product is that you're selling make sure that your product solves a problem and i meet entrepreneurs all the time in fact i want every single one of you out there if this is what's going through your head I want you to be 20% embarrassed and then 80% focused on how you fix the problem. But this is what almost every entrepreneur that approaches me says, Tom, I really want to help people. That's it. The end. That's their mission. That's that. They stop at that. They stop at feeling like a good person. They think, well, I want to help people. Rad, man. Fuck yeah. Help people. How do you plan to help them? And how do you plan to scale it? Like most of them, it's like one-on-one -on -one shit. That doesn't scale. Like if that's the thing that makes you feel most beautiful and connected to humanity, do it. Rad. That's awesome. But that's not entrepreneurial for me. Uh, so to me, like if you really want to build something, you've got to be focused on how does this scale. So I can't answer your question with anything specific because I don't know what your business model is. But make sure, meaning what problem are you trying to solve? How do you plan to profitably monetize it? Okay, that's what I mean when I say business model. Uh, so know what your very specific problem is. Know how you're going to scale it. Those are like just two huge things. And most times people just want to help people. That's not a business model. So to give you an idea, go to the website and read it. Our three-phase approach is my answer to how do I actually help people, right? And in what way do I want to help them? So Bill Gates is curing malaria. That, that's helping people for sure. But that's not going to be, that's not what I mean when I say help people. I mean, I'm going to take people from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset. And I think if you get another billion people doing that, this world becomes a fundamentally different place. 
to me, that was boiling it down to its physics and answering one simple question. What is the biggest problem that we could solve that would have the greatest impact on humanity? And the answer is get more people to believe that they're capable of anything. Because once they do that and that the solution is cross the chasm of skill set, right? Get skills, mm -hmm. get good at something, be exceptional, be extraordinary, be capable of a championship performance. Like that is the thing that has to change. Like if we're really going to accomplish as a species, if we're going to not let our technology consume us and actually make it into the singularity, like when I boil everything down, it comes down to that, that mindset shift of understanding your own need for self-esteem. I don't know why I was blanking on self-esteem. So that, that very weird cadence was me groping in my mind for the word <laughs> self-esteem. Uh, once you understand what you're building your self-esteem around, and you understand that it's all about skill acquisition, you can get good at whatever that you set your mind to, and if you're doing it in service of something bigger than yourself, you actually wanna help humanity, but you could fucking boil it down to like, what's really going to work? And yeah, it's actually starting to drive me a little bit crazy how people just come up to me and say, I wanna help people. Dude, are you not watching the content? Like how many times do I have to fucking rail about this? Like, what is your path to execution? Like, don't mollify yourself with the feeling that you're a good person because you want to help people. That's not enough. You are a good person. Great. Awesome. Fantastic. But what are you going to do now? Yeah. I could, I could go in that endless loop until I died of starvation. Thirst, I guess, would happen Thirst. first. But please, guys, I'm begging you. Like, you're these incredible machines, AI, squishy robots, like whatever you want to call it. You're in <laughs> this incredible hardware and software but you have to do something with it. You have to really like push yourself. Yeah. Don't stop when it feels good. Stop when the job is done. That's a good one. Can we t-shirt that? I think so. It's <laughs> like, we're going to have several t-shirts coming to the store. Yeah. I asked where those came from. Nobody told me. Oh, they from Mike. That's amazing. Mike who? Mike Burkhart. What? We have actually the is next question in, is from him. Is he in the chain right now? Yeah. The next question is from him. Dude, first, those were amazing. No, we have to shout out Mike. Yeah, absolutely. B-Ra, fucking so cool. Those are going up. Yeah, passionate those are going income up. Mad love. and uh, Mad momentum love. matters. Incredible. Those are the two. Incredible. Right now we're accepting like, designs. Yes. And we have to figure out exactly what the rev share is going to be. But if we sell something that you created out of profits, we will pay you. Out of profits. I want to be very fucking clear about that. Yeah. Profits. When it comes to platforms that will help you run a business, there is no shortage of options on the market. But if you want to use the best, most advanced, and most efficient platform out there, you need to be using Shopify. For whatever and wherever you want to sell, from launching to going international, Shopify is the global commerce platform that will help you grow at every stage of your business. With award-winning customer service, the internet's highest converting checkout page, and a suite of integrated AI tools, Tools, Shopify is your all-in-one platform to quickly and efficiently take your business to the next level. I love everything about Shopify because it makes it so easy to start, run, and grow a business. Shopify powers more than 10% of all U.S. e-commerce because businesses that want to grow quickly use Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash impact, all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com slash impact right now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash impact. 
In today's highly unpredictable and rapidly changing world, the smartest move you can make from a financial standpoint is to actually understand how money works and how markets move. Because if you wanna have any chance of investing your money wisely and growing your financial portfolio, you have to make a profit. And the only way that you're going to do that is either by setting and forgetting or actually understanding what's going on at a macro level. So whether you're a seasoned investor or someone looking for extra guidance, today's sponsor, Yahoo Finance, has got you covered with all the tools, data, and news that you need in one place to grow your knowledge base around what is happening in the world of finance and to make sure that you have the right goals and you're executing well. Yahoo Finance makes it easy to consolidate your accounts so you can effectively and efficiently manage your entire portfolio. Personally, I love how straightforward their platform is to use. It is very simple to get the information that I need. And Impact Theory's own chief financial officer is exactly the same, spending time helping me frame exactly what is going on from a global perspective so that I'm making the smartest decisions that I can. I definitely recommend that you check out Yahoo Finance for comprehensive financial news and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. If getting your hands dirty and taking good care of your car or cars is a passion of yours, then eBay Motors is here for the ride because I'm sure you remember when you first saw the potential in that beauty. And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly with eBay Motors. Brake kits, LED headlights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yes. Right now he's like tweaking some of the fonts and the layout of it, but we're going back and forth with like feedback and stuff. Nice, nice, nice. But yay, Mike. Okay. Um, just as a reminder, because he's got to go down to like the Hall of Fame. Those are the first user submitted designs we received, right? They are. For so when, yeah, yeah. So when you walk the halls of Impact Theory ten years from now, like Mike Burkus, right there. Burkhart. Burkhart. Yeah, let's not fuck up his name. Burkhart. How about that? Yeah. Mike Burkhart. Yeah, I think it's yeah. Okay. Um. So I forgot to mention our giveaway. Oh. Yes. So we have our the giveaway. Voice. Come on, voice. What's happening? We have right our now? giveaway, Break guys. It down. So it's either a three month subscription to Audible or three books of your choosing. Nice. Um, if you one, share the difference between you and a billionaire, the Jay Samet clip that yep. just released so go a couple to days Tom ago. Tom Billu's Facebook page. So Tom Billu's Facebook page, and that's where you can find it to share it. Take a screenshot of that share on your timeline, feed, everything, and then send that screenshot to connect at impacttheory.com. It it's also in the comments. Um, and if you have any questions, just ask. Nice. There we go. Yeah. So it. with that lovely introduction from Mike Burkhart, he wants to know, one, he loves the show. And mm -hmm. his question is, 
If you had the opportunity to build the next internet, i.e. the next big technology that changes society forever, mm-hmm. what would you build and why? Um, I don't have that answer because if I did, I'd be doing it. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I um, My focus is clearly on what we're doing now. I think that uh, the huge bet that anybody who's paying attention to should be... Um, really doubling down on is AR VR. I think mm-hmm. that that revolution is in its absolute infancy. So I like to think of it as base camp versus summiting um, Mount Everest. And usually people think that a movement has peaked at base camp. And that's back when people were calling the internet a fad. Uh, that was base camp. And now we're probably still not even at the peak of Everest, to be honest. Yeah. But AR VR is not even at base camp yet. So this is... Um, it's either going to totally flop, which I'll, I'll just put my reputation on the line now and say that's absolutely not going to happen. It is going to be the next paradigm shift in ways we can't even begin to imagine yeah. right now. Like who saw really, really back in like 94 when I first got my email account, who <laughs> saw apps coming, right? Nobody. Nobody saw apps on a phone. Like it just, nope, I don't Zero. <laughs> Zero people saw apps on a phone coming. Maybe the guy so a Palm Pilot. The, the level, or even like <laughs> Facebook Live, right? Like it just, it was taking five minutes to download a single image. So it's like, you yeah. just, you can't conceive of where the world goes. So in AR, VR, I don't think people really understand. Read the book. In fact, can we, can I derail for a minute? Derail. All right. Guys, if you're a technologist, which I am not, by the way, which is part of the reason that I'm not going to take my own advice on this one. But if you are a technologist, will you please read science fiction and just go, these guys are so insanely good at predicting the future. They've thought through the shit. Like, that is what a science fiction writer's mind is great at. Like, look at Asimov and how many things that he predicted. Read 1984. If you really want to get freaked the fuck out, if you really want to get freaked out, read 1984 and realize when that shit was written and how he (laughs) predicted the cameras everywhere, and the fact that we would willingly let things like Alexa into our lives. Just really, take a second to think about that one. So that is what science fiction (laughs) writers do. They predict the future way far in advance because they are thinking internally about humans and what they are like, and so they are really good. Now, the guy that wrote Ready Player One, I think, has already nailed what ARVR actually becomes, and you need an omnidirectional treadmill to pull it off. So kids... Somebody needs to develop an omnidirectional, and people are already working on it. Doesn't mean that you can't come in and disrupt, but develop an omnidirectional treadmill. Because here's the problem with VR it makes you seasick. Okay? You put the fucking goggles on. You, if you can't move, then the camera can't move. I think you've got like three or four seconds max before you'll start to get seasick. Because you feel like you're floating. It is really fucking bizarre. When the camera is moving on the Z axis, it's really weird. Now, it's amazing, and when it only happens for like three seconds, you're like, oh my God, that was so cool, don't stop. And they're like, no, 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 you will get sick. So you you have to be moving, which means I have to have the sensation that I'm moving, so the omnidirectional treadmill has to let me move in any direction, has to let me run, has to let me walk slow, and it's got to figure out how to do it. Hey, I'm not saying it's going to be easy, I'm just saying it's needed, and whoever does that is going to crush it, and then haptics. Because between haptics and omnidirectional treadmills, that is what is going to let that revolution take off. And let me tell you, if you have not read Jay Samet's book, Disrupt You yet, guys, please do. If you're an entrepreneur and you haven't read that book, do I go to each one of their houses and shake them like crazy? Maybe. It may come to that. But Because if you're an entrepreneur and you have not read that book, you are falling behind. And one of the things that he talks about in that is you don't have to be the one that comes up with the next huge disruption. That does not need to be you. Because... As that disruption happens, it will create so many opportunities. So you didn't have to create the iPhone. 
But the guy that created the iPhone cases, I think his company was valued at over a billion dollars. Yeah. Because he created cases. Yep. And the so, guy with the dust covers and everything for computers. Very yeah. well said. So omnidirectional treadmill haptics, please. They suck right now. I've tried. I haven't tried an omnidirectional treadmill, but I've tried stuff where they let you move around a little bit. It's not good. Um, and then the haptics, it's, it's just not there. It will get there, but it's not, but it's there, not there yet. yet. That's yeah. going to be a big thing. I do want to shout out to, I think, like our community because um, Disrupt You is low in stock on Amazon. I saw that screenshot from Jay. Yeah, that was rad. That <laughs> I was, was like, rad. that's so cool. <laughs> this, this, okay, that moment right there, you just gave me the chills. That moment right there is why we do the show. Because think about that. We, yeah. can, we can mobilize enough people that they can diminish Amazon's stock. Yeah, eight left in stock. It might be at zero. Who the fuck knows? It's called the Oprah effect. Okay, just saying. I'm just saying. Just funny out there. I'm not drawing parallels. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay. So our next question comes from Danbro Fitness. Danbro. Danbro. And I saw Danbro in uh Jay's IG feed. That was dope. Danbro Mad Love. And then we had another guy, something Wolf. I forget his name right now. Uh but yeah, he was there as well. That was awesome. Thank nice. you guys. Very cool to see you commenting. Love it. Okay. So this one um his question is, for, from all the guests we've had on IT, what do you think they all have in common? Growth mindset, period. Simple, simple as when they hit an obstacle, they don't think I'm dumb, I'm stupid, I can never do it. They think, okay, I lack a skill set and I have to figure this out. So I'm going to go around it, over it, under it, through it, whatever, but I'm going to get to the other side of that. And it is, it is the arrogance of belief. And now the arrogance of belief isn't that I'm good enough, I'm better, I'm whatever. It's I can get good at anything I set my mind to, period. Like that's the arrogance of belief. Like once you have that, once you know I can build a studio bigger than Disney's, I just have to really think about what does that look like today? What skills am I lacking? Who are the people that I need to know to actually execute against this? Not get stuck in traps. For instance, I will just make a prediction right now. The studio route isn't going to work for us. I can dazzle them in meetings, Okay. I give great meeting, as they say, but then they don't do anything because just thinking about the culture of a big company, they can't move. Like they can't be nimble. Yeah. I'm literally coming in and saying, hey, by the way, change your entire fucking business model. And they, they cannot do it because for decades, they've been hiring people that think a certain way. And that is why companies don't evolve. They get disrupted. And that makes me really sad. It makes me really sad and really paranoid about our own future and how you build into the culture that nimbleness, like how do you build into a culture a willingness to disrupt yourselves? There are very, very few companies that can do it. So that will be something that I will obsessively think about. I thought obsessively about that at Quest. Like that was always in the forefront of my mind. I don't feel like I've cracked a nut. So uh, there is an answer. I don't have it yet. But this honestly, inside Quest, was my best attempt. Because they can, they can see it. Like it's mm -hmm. the, the knowledge, the mindset, it's scalable. And that was originally why I started Inside Quest was so people could see, like, I've gotten to this process of thinking through all these years. This is why. This is why I'm here. Look, all these successful people that I'm going to bring on, you're going to see the same themes over and over and over. As a company, if we can adopt that, then we can disrupt ourselves and avoid stagnating. It's why I talk so much about not letting your beliefs calcify into dogma, right? So... Don't get stuck thinking you're cool. That's another way to say it. Don't think you know it, right? Your, your thinking, your thought processes, the things that you believe, they've got to change and evolve. 
Otherwise you're dust. Ideas to me are like music. They change that rapidly. What made sense a year ago is just super outdated today. And that's, it actually is one of the reasons that I force myself to listen to new music. Like yeah. all the time, like I'm about it. Like me and Taylor Swift, we'd be like that. So <laughs> yeah, like I'm on it. So got to, got to stay fresh, got to stay connected. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I listen to new music all the time. And youth are always, by their nature, largely because of what I was talking about earlier, hormonally, they're programmed to push back, to rebel. So they're disrupting from that perspective. And then they don't have dogma yet. So they're literally building it as they go. So it's every generation is going to be different because they are growing up in a different time period. Um, and I'll just tell you guys one thing you should be doing. This is what marketers do all the time is they really look at generations. They look at demographics and they ask, like, what are the high level, the macro trends? Now, most people, this drives me crazy. Most people get so annoyed that macro trends aren't specific and accurate to them as an individual that they dismiss it. It's a macro trend. It's high level. It's. There are movements of the crowd, even if the movement of any one individual doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. At a high enough level, the stereotype is true. And when you're looking at demographics, it can be incredibly, incredibly powerful. So get on those demos, man, if you're trying to build a company. Doesn't makes necessarily sense. hold true maybe for parents, but <laughs> for, parents. for them entrepreneurs. All right. How much um, time do we have? Did we, warn, we didn't warn the audience. We so we, we have to cut short today. Oh, we do? Yeah. Where are okay. we at? They didn't even warn me. Before oh, our shorter not. cutoff? We have to do a book review. Sorry, guys. Yeah. The Sorry, madness guys. of all this. Like, we oh, can only no. stop the crew for an My hour. My bad. Okay. So let me. So. Okay. You got another 10 minutes. 10, yeah. All right. Okay. Um, all right. So then I'll take this one from Ian Pettit. Ian Pettit Sounds. Pettit Sounds. Can you recommend specific resources on tactics for raising capital and team building? I hear a lot of talk about these subjects, and I know they're important what to serve my why, but I don't know how to get there from a place of being um, non-credentialed and mm -hmm. having minimal history of company building. Um, so I, first of all, I would say avoid raising capital if you can. So that's where this whole concept of the side hustle comes in. Figure out what the problem is that you're going to solve. Try to solve it for as cheap as you can. Get a minimum viable product out of the market. Um, if you don't have any history, I'll just say startup or uh, Kickstarter is a great place to go. Indiegogo, any of those where you can create a video explaining to people what your company is, what your product is, what you're trying to accomplish. Get them excited. Get them to fund it by essentially pre-buying the product. Um, it's not necessarily the ideal way because there's a lot of pressures that fall on people when they do that. Um, but I think that it's a great way. It's a great way not to have to raise institutional capital. It's a great way not to have to actually sell a piece of your company. Uh, but then there are also some places where you, instead of selling the product, you actually can sell um, some of the company and people can buy equity in your company. Um, you can try those if that you know feels better to you. Um, but knowing that today, getting capital is not the hard part. It's having an idea that's so compelling and having a product that's so compelling that people want to give you money. So the money is out there. It's just, is the problem that you're solving a big enough problem and are you solving it in a clever enough way that people are actually gonna want to invest? So I think 99 times out of 100, people aren't failing to get money because there's no money. They're failing to get money because their idea is not very good or they're not good at presenting it. That's the truth. 
So if your idea is compelling enough, if your problem solves a big enough problem and you've been able to figure out a way to do it profitably, you'll be golden. So look at the Jessica O'Matthews episode, um, dig deep into her world. She's had to do that. So she got the company off the ground, had the prototype, made it successful before she took capital. So she took capital to grow it. And that is much easier to find that capital when you've actually got a product, mm -hmm. you're out there, it's working it's and real. you want to scale. Now, finding money for that, that I totally get. But to get to the point where you're actually making sales, you shouldn't need a lot of capital. I mean, very, very little. Five grand... Like yeah. this isn't, uh, you shouldn't be trying to, to get out there and, and find a ton of cash. That will be hard. Um, and then the other one was finding a team. Yeah, building a team. So yeah, all of this boils down to you have to be good at something. To build a team, you have to be good at creating a compelling vision. So people have to know what you're trying to accomplish. You have to be very good at getting other people excited. And I think the visionary in any company, that is a big part of your job is you're just getting people excited. They need to see your vision. They need to feel it. Your enthusiasm needs to be contagious. They need to believe in you. They need to think that you're going to figure it out, even if you don't know how to do everything. And they need to feel better about themselves when they're around you than they do when they're not around you. And that is just a key ingredient to building a team. So getting people excited, giving them a vision to follow, showing that you're able to execute, um, doesn't mean that you get everything right. I think people are very willing to let people fail when they're super upfront about it. They're honest. Yeah. Uh, they're not shucking and jiving and trying to lie and BS. Like then people just start to feel icky. Mm -hmm. Invite people into the world, make them a part of it, make them feel good about their contributions. That is so big. That is so important. If you do that, then it's about just getting out there and finding those like-minded people. Because like dating, you're going to have to touch a lot of people before you find the ones that really gravitate towards what you're trying to do. Uh, Facebook groups is a great place to start. Tell anybody and everybody who will listen what you're looking for. That's another big thing. So in fact, hey, to that point, I'm going to float it yeah. out there. Uh, Lisa and I need a personal assistant. Anybody in the LA area, you have to be in the LA area. You are literally going to be glued to one of our hips all day, every day. We're looking for people that are all the way in. Uh, this is an entry-level position. This is a personal assistant, not an executive assistant. So let's really differentiate between that. Must love dogs. Must be very compassionate. You're going to spend a lot of time with my pooches. Yep. So that they're not barking during episodes. Uh, so, yes. Anybody out there? So that, I do that all the time. I'm constantly telling universe. people what I'm looking for. Yeah. And you'd be surprised who responds. So put it out there. Talk, talk, talk. Get people excited. Absolutely. Make people feel good. All Solve right. the real problem. So this next question comes from Kelly Foss. Um, I think a lot of us are sensitive to the energy around us. While I keep positive people around me in my life, sometimes I'm around people who give off negative energy without my control. How can I best avoid allowing this energy to negatively impact me? I love that. I Good, love negative right? people. Negative people are magical. Do you All right, listen want? close, Kelly. You ready? I'm ready. So here's why negative people are magical. If you guys watched the, I think it was the last episode of Tom Bilyeu Theory, which if you're not watching that, get on it. In that episode, my wife, who loves me more than anything in the world, or so I like to believe, uh, she brought me my food 27 minutes early. So I eat at 11.30, just the way it is. She brought it to me at 11.03. Now, I let that food sit next to me, all smelling delicious. I was so hungry, you can't imagine. I wanted to eat that food, oh dear God. I really wanted to eat that food. And I thought, this is amazing. My wife loves me so much because she's trying to make me a stronger person. And she's giving me an opportunity <laughs> to practice not eating food when I really want it, when it's sitting there and it's smelling good and it's ready. And that 27 minutes later, it will actually be worse. It won't be as warm. It won't taste as good. And I'm going to sit here and watch this amazing meal deteriorate so that I can practice 
not eating my food when I want it, that I can practice discipline. And people always ask me, how do you practice stuff like that? It's in moments like that. So how do you practice making sure that your growth mindset, that your positivity is impervious when you're around negative people? And look, I don't, I'm not saying run out and get yourself around negative people, but when they show up, you need to say to yourself, oh my God, this is an amazing opportunity for me to practice making sure that internally I can generate positivity. So I use a strategy, it's called repeat it three times. So if somebody were sitting at the table and they're like, oh my God, the system is really trying to hold me down. Like I just can't break free and my job sucks. I'm gonna say in my head three times, I can overcome any system. I can overcome any system. I can overcome any system. Um, my job is what I make of it. My job is what I make of it. My job is what I make of it. And I literally would repeat that in my head three times, all while smiling at them and being like, oh, girl, I feel you. Um, but yeah, like I just repeat it in my head, repeat it in my head, repeat it in my head. There, there, many of these tactics are deadly simple, but you actually have to do them. So yeah. it's like the simple stuff that people block and tackle, block yeah. and tackle, block and tackle. I like it. Word. How many more minutes do we have, Lisa? Um, all right, Last we have question. one question. more question. Okay. Last question. Speaking of music. Uh, so the question is one thing, oh. um, TBT that should be releasing today. So that oh, we have a new TBT yeah. episode? Oh, oh, that hasn't oh. dropped yet. Oh, so it's today. Apparently Great. I get sneak peeks. I know. Well, so, always backstage access if they're following yeah. you on social. Hashtag truth. Truth, truth, truth. So, so it drops today. Check it out. Yeah. It'll drop later today. All right, and this last question comes from Daniel Breeze. Tom, I have a strong passion for music and entertainment. I sing, I play guitar, I used to dance, nice. but I finished a prestigious business school with an accounting designation. Whoa. How do I figure out how to use my passion and expertise to make an impact and earn a living? Wow. Okay, so amazing question. And just by the language that he uses, I want to note that he's from the UK. I'm going to need some bonus points for that. Perhaps. Um, and okay, so here's how it goes. Uh, follow your bliss. I will avoid using the word passion. Do that which makes you feel most alive. You have asked me a false question, which is how do you do, like how do I end world hunger and um, make a million dollars all while doing dance, basically. And you may not be able to. So you need to do the thing that makes you feel most alive. You need to decide what's meaningful to you. Is it meaningful to make a lot of money? Uh, and if you want to make a lot of money and you want to impact people, then we may not be singing. We may, but we may not. So we need to decide what's the order of priority. So I will give you an example. I wanted to be a filmmaker, but I did not want to be a starving artist. That was not okay for me. So I went down the path of learning to control the resources, to focus on understanding business so you can't imagine the irony to me of now going back to the studio system and talking to these guys who understand art, but they don't understand business. And I can get them so fucking excited because I know how to take an idea and actually make money with it. So it's intoxicating to them because they've built their entire career creating great art, and yet they're still panicking because they're going from paycheck to paycheck. Like really think about that for a second. Beautiful big house, panic, because they're one, they are living beyond their means, which is not smart, but it's a human tendency, so people are always gonna do that. Um, but then two, because they don't control, they don't have control over anything because they trade for that short-term money. So it's, and then you get into a cycle of trading for short-term money, which is why I always encourage really young people, don't worry about what your pay is. In fact, go accept less money than they're offering for the position 
but make the very loving demand that, hey, if you're offering 65,000 for this position, I'll do it for 40,000, and I want to be able to come into any high-level meeting that I want with rare exclusions, right? There'll be some things you're not gonna be able to get access to. Mm -hmm. That is way, way more beneficial than getting the salary. But people don't think like that, and they wanna get as much money as they can. They're always extracting short-term value, and there's gasping off camera. So I'm gonna guess that, do we, are we no longer live? Um, so that is, that's the, the big thing that I would do. So you're gonna break these things down. You're gonna put what you want in priority order. So for me, I needed to control my resources because I did not want to have to sell my art to the highest bidder. I wanted to be in control. So I went down a very long path. It took me 14 years to really have the kind of success that I wanted to have. I had to learn the hard lesson, don't chase money, really chase excellence, chase value creation, all of that, and the money will come out of that. But it was all in the wrapping of, um, business acumen, learning to be good at business. That was a huge driver for me. So, because I was being honest with myself that I didn't want to be a starving artist. Now, if you don't mind yeah. being a starving artist and it's not about making a lot of money. In fact, there's a recent song out. I forget the guy's name. It must be Mike because that's how he refers to himself in the song. And um, in the song, he sings his mother asking him, Mike, don't you want to be comfortable? And he says, no, I don't want to be comfortable. Like, I want to pursue something that makes me feel most alive. So I think that's great. It's about knowing what's real for you. What do you yeah, really want? So if you really want to sing, like, dude, on what level, right? So you could do community theater. I can pretty much guarantee if you're good at singing, like, that's real. And that's a beautiful life for many people. So you could do a job teaching music to kids, which will probably make you feel alive and excited because you're helping people, which you said you want to do. And seeing at the community theater, really put on great shows, make your community theater the best community theater in the UK, which that's a real thing. You could really do that and get accolades. So, I mean, it's like you could create that life, right? right. But if you want to make a lot of money, this is where artists trip themselves up. You will probably never see me direct something. Why? because it takes so much energy that you have to be focused on that one thing. So for me, being able to scale it is one, that's how you get access to the real resources. So um, I would build the studio, right? Instead of being the director. So that's like understanding the universe of things that changes when you decide to build the studio instead of being the director. But that means that I don't get to direct, which means I don't get the direct hand in creating the art. But that was me being honest about what's meaningful to me. Mm -hmm. So I like to be, I want to be around the art. I want to be responsible for creating the atmosphere for artists to come in and create. I want to incubate and empower those artists. But at the end of the day, I want to be the studio. I want to be the one with the final say. That's me. That's my personality. And I have gone on a very long journey of getting the ability to control that, to understand how to build it, um, to know how to disrupt a system, to know how to monetize, to recognize artists, to work with large teams, to build teams. Like that's what I've spent the last almost 15 years of my life doing. So you have to be honest with the path you're going to go down. All right. So I got the wrap up signal. Wrap up. So we're going to have to peace out. Sorry, guys. guys, thank you so much for joining us. This is um, wonderful for me. It allows me to really think through and concretize, which believe it or not is a word. Uh, concretize like a word. my thoughts. It does not sound <laughs> like a word. You're very right about that. Uh, so thanks for joining us. Actually, I'm supposed to be over here. Thank you for oh, yeah. asking all of your questions. We do not take that for granted. And guys, thank you for depleting all of the books in Amazon stock for Jay Samet's book, Disrupt You. That is amazing. That's another one of those um, Hall of Fame moments for this company and this community. We are insanely grateful for you all. You have no idea just how much. All right, it's a weekly show. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And remember, Tom Bilyeu Theory drops today. Check it out. It's a new series. Yep. 
Uh, we're really proud of that. So make sure that you check All it out. Let us know what you think. Behind the scenes access, things that you, you know, say, do, kind of learning how we built this. Indeed. How we build this because it's active. Very true. Well said. All right, guys. Until next time, be legendary, my friends. Take care. Bye. Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.